following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Have you heard about Moo Money? Moo Money? Moo Money is a rewards program that lets you earn cash every time you buy real milk. I use mine to buy movie tickets. Movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. It was a musical. Uh-huh. Anyway, just head to MooMoney.com to start earning moolah. Got it. Moolah. Hurry, or everything I told you will be moot. Oh, please, no more moos. Someone's a little moody. Open to legal residents of the state of California, 18 years of age or older. Visit MooMoney.com for official rules, terms, and conditions. I think one that, that really stood out to me was the idea of welcoming failure. And just understanding and accepting that you're going to fail um, and keep trying anyways. Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young entrepreneurs and innovators. And taking a moment to thank our sponsors, Veridesk, Rocket Mortgage, and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. Today, we have Lisa Curtis on over Skype. She's the founder and CEO of Cooley Cooley, a company that makes a powder out of Moringa, a leafy super green to mix into smoothies and recipes. And we're going to learn a lot more about it. Lisa, hello. Hi, how are you, Steve? I'm doing well. Well, first of all, where are you? I'm in Oakland, California at Cooley Cooley's offices. Is that where you're from in Oakland? Because I lived in Oakland for a while. Oh, yeah. I actually grew up in Alameda, just down the street. Of course. But I've lived in Oakland for the past eight years. What cut, What what part of Oakland? I live right in smack dab in the middle of downtown. Right so. in downtown. Da- that's exactly where I lived. I lived at 12th and uh, MLK. Oh, nice. I live at 7th and Broadway. 7th and Broadway. Okay, great. Yeah, there's lots to lots to do around there. And is that where the home offices of Cooley Cooley are? Thankfully, we are not working out of my house anymore. Mm, okay. <laughs> we did for the first year. Uh, so our offices are right by Lake Merritt. We're at 600 Grand Avenue. It's amazing. We're right by the lake, so we have like a running club and we have picnics out there. It's a really good spot. I would have. So you're the founder of Cooley Cooley. It's a mission-driven food startup that's uh, creating a market for moringa, which is a unique superfood. But let's. How else, for people who don't know Moringa, and I am one of those people, what is it? So Moringa is a really cool plant. It's actually a tree, and the leaves of the Moringa tree are more nutritious than kale. They provide a complete plant protein, a lot of calcium, iron, and vitamins. Um, And they also have some amazing medicinal benefits. A lot of folks say that they can help reduce inflammation in your body even better than turmeric can. And where, where do you get it? So you get it all over the tropics. So um, we source now from 11 different countries across West Africa, South America, and we're also starting up in Southeast Asia. And were you, I want to work this back into your um, career and your life, were you in West Africa when you when you discovered Moringa? I was, yeah. So I joined the Peace Corps after college, and I was a volunteer in Niger, West Africa. And it was placed in a really rural village with no electricity and no running water and not a lot of healthy food. So I initially started eating Moringa for myself because I'm a vegetarian and was feeling weak off this diet of beans, rice, and millet. 
And I started eating it and it, it made me feel so much better. And I was like, what is this plant? And I, you know, how can I grow more of it and get more people here to eat it? And the first thing I heard from them is like, okay, well, we'll grow more of it, but we need somewhere to sell it. Can you help us sell it? Mm. Um, so, you know, four and a half years later, that's what I'm doing. What <laughs> yeah. was your relationship with entrepreneurship before you signed up for the Peace Corps? What were you interested in? You know, I had done a lot of different uh, different social change type things. I had spent a summer working in the White House under President Obama. Mm. Um, I did a lot of work with the United Nations Environment Program, um, did a lot of community organizing activities around my college, but had never started a business before or even worked at a business before. <laughs> so I learned a lot. <laughs> and so did you, while you were in uh, Niger, how – how long until you started the business? How how long was that idea um, percolating for you? So the, the crazy thing about my Peace Corps experience was that I was supposed to be there for two and a half years, mm -hmm. but after about seven months, there was a terrorist attack and we got evacuated and forced to leave the country. So I came back to the U.S earlier than I was hoping to. Um, and it had just, you know, fallen in love with the people and the place and this plant Moringa and really wanted a way to continue that work. Mm -hmm. Um, so I came back and you know, started a, a job at another startup, um, while I was working on Cooley Cooley on the side. Um, and then initially started, this is kind of a, a nights and weekends passion project. Um, did some tests at farmers markets to try to get the product out there and, right. and see if people would like it. And people seemed to really like it. So then started out in one store and we're now in about 7,000 stores My nationwide. God, you're in 7, it's been a fun ride. <laughs> well, let's start with the first store. Which was the first store and how did you get in there? Yeah, so it was Whole Foods Oakland, um, hometown pride. Right by Lake Merritt. <laughs> Yeah, right mm -hmm. by Lake Merritt, exactly. It's where I shop all the time now, every week. Um, and it was a kind of a, a crazy experience where, you know, a friend of mine saw that there Whole Foods had this local forager program where they were looking for like unique and innovative local businesses. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, you know, we weren't even set up as a business. This was kind of just my, my passion project. Um, but roped one of my childhood best friends into it and we stayed up all night, like making bars by hand with Moringa and then, um, presented at Whole Foods. And it was, it still remains the easiest sales meeting I've ever had. We walked in, we had our pitch, we were all ready. Um, and the first thing she said to us was Moringa. I know Moringa. Moringa is amazing. We need a Moringa product. Let's bring it in. And that was it because Whole Foods, does that, does that get you in shelves across the country or is that like a region? How limited <laughs> well, is that? We thought it did. When we walked out of that meeting, we were like, oh my God, we've made it. <laughs> um, what it actually did is it gave us permission <laughs> to go and then approach and sell it in store by store. So mm. for the first year of Cooley Cooley, my various, very glamorous CEO job was basically driving around to different Whole Foods stores, presenting the product, telling them all about how awesome it was, how are we sourcing from these amazing women's cooperatives and small family farms, right. and um, then you know getting it on the shelf and then doing demos, passing out samples to customers to get it to move off the shelf. Um, and it worked 
well. So we were doing so well in, you know, the first couple stores that then they finally expanded us to more stores. And, you know, now we're in Whole Foods nationwide um, with quite a few different products. And you have provided, correct me if I'm wrong, more than like a million and a half to uh, of income to women-led farming cooperatives, right? Yeah, we're close to two million now. That's incredible. So you've had tremendous success, but what we do like to do on this show is focus on some of the failure. What was the most demoralizing part uh, of the experience getting it off the ground? Oh, tons of things. <laughs> um, I think, you know, for me, one of the hardest things was getting people to take me seriously. Because at the time, I was 23 years old, mm-hmm. as you sort of alluded to earlier, discovered earlier, I had no business experience. Um, most people had never heard of Moringa to them. It just sounded like this earthy green plant and nobody wanted to invest in me or, you know, like sort of back me in, in any way. And so a lot of people said, Oh, this is a nice, you know, project. This is a cool lifestyle business, but I don't think you'll ever get really get it off the ground. Um, and so facing that much rejection and, and kind of constantly being told you don't know what you're doing, this is crazy, was really, really hard. And, and how about your parents? How supportive was your family? Um, you know, at the, my parents are amazing people. <laughs> um, they're both dentists. <laughs> to them, this was a very uh, – kind of untraditional move. They didn't, they don't really know any entrepreneurs. They didn't really understand it. Um, were they know, like, they why can't you just like, go to dental school like us? Yeah. They're have like, you have a good job. Like, don't you like your job? Why don't you stay with your job? Um, that being said, I will say I give them full credit that once I had quit my job and it was clear that I was not turning back, they have been inc- unbelievably helpful. Like my mom goes into Whole Foods every week and is passing out samples and talking to customers and she sells more product than anybody else because she says, hey, this is my daughter's company. Come try it. And everybody just loves it. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Under 30 podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask, why? Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to the rate and term in real time? And why can't there be client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your tenth, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidate for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. 
In fact, 80% of employers who post the job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. One more time. ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. How did you go about setting up your distribution or production manufacturing offices? So, you know, the cool thing about the food world these days is you don't have to have millions and millions of dollars to build your own factory. You can co-manufacture. So we found a facility that was making bars mm. for other people that could also make bars for us. Okay. Um, and so we needed $50,000 to do that first manufacturing run. So what we ended up doing was a, a crowdfunding campaign um, where we, we raised money from about 800 people across 23 different countries. That was an amazing moment. Um, and that allowed us to do our first manufacturing and, run. And th- was that through Indiegogo? It was, yeah. Did you raise fifty thousand on Indiegogo? Fifty three thousand, yep. <laughs> Remarkable. What what span how how long did that take? Well, so it was it was interesting, you know, the the first hour or so I was like, Oh my god, this is not gonna go anywhere, like nobody has put money in and, and then within twenty four hours we had raised twenty five thousand mm. dollars. Um so it, it came really fast. Uh, and then, you know, we raised 53 by 30 days. How did you get the word out so quickly? So I had kind of a, a group of friends who I had sort of wrangled into this with me. And um, we spent a lot of time just kind of thinking about, okay, what's the story we're telling here? How do we get people excited about it? Um, and then, you know, looking at our networks and, okay, what are the listservs and the people that we can can send this out to to really make sure it gets out there fast. Um, and it, I know we'd done something right when I, I got a text that day from my friend who said she'd gotten my email, sent it to her mom. Her mom had gotten it, sent it to a bunch of her friends. And one of her mom's friends had called her crying, saying, this is the most beautiful project. I just put in $100. Oh. Uh, which was amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Someone you don't know, three times removed. <laughs> and does the – because, you know, as you know and I know, the farmer's markets in Oakland are attended with religious fervor. They really are. People are so passionate about those farmers. What kind of a presence did you have there? Um, so we had, you know, just kind of a, a small little table and, and pop-up tent um, and basically the goal of that was really to do consumer research. So understanding like, okay, are people actually going to buy this Moringa bar? If so, why are they buying it? You know, what flavors do they like? What flavors do they not like? How can we really, you know, refine our product and our pitch before mm-hmm. we actually launch it? Um, so we had over 400 customers um, through those couple of farmers markets, and that really, and then we surveyed all of them, um, and that really gave us the confidence we needed, or you know, gave me the confidence I needed at the time was is really just just me who did yeah. it, and in terms of quitting my day job and, and making it full time. Well, Lisa, as our producer Laurel knows, uh, I'm always adjusting and watching my diet and studying it very closely. When do I eat the moringa bar? At what time of day? I would say it's a really great like 
morning or mid-afternoon pick-me-up. Perfect. Um, the cool thing about Moringa is it's really high in B vitamins. So even mm. though there's no like caffeine, a lot of people do find that it gives them a lot of natural energy. Um, so, you know, some people are very sensitive to that and say that they don't take it too late at night because it'll, it'll give them too much energy and they can't sleep. But I would say for most folks, you know, if you drink coffee, like this is yeah. nothing compared to coffee. This is what I need. I love a late, af- late morning, mid-afternoon snack. Um, you've said that the hardest thing about being a young entrepreneur is overcoming the perception that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? You know, a lot of people look at, especially, you know, four and a half years ago, this young woman right out of Peace Corps, no business experience, trying to introduce this superfood that nobody had ever heard of. And um, a lot of people just didn't take me seriously. Um, And so what I found is that I really had to build credibility and then use that credibility to then gain traction and and get meetings and and get people to then finally take me seriously. And so, you know, getting the foot in the door with Whole Foods was amazing. That then helped, you know, investors and and other retailers say like, okay, well, if Whole Foods is selling you, you know, this must be, must be good. Right. Um, And then similarly, some of the press. So uh, press has been just an unbelievable part of this journey for, for me. Cause you know, I've never had the advertising dollars to like really advertise Moringa and, and what we're doing with it. But, um, there's been so many amazing reporters who have been like so interested in what we're doing and have, have told that story in a really compelling way. And, um, that has been, that has been such a tremendous help. In the beginning, you know, I know you said fake it until you make it. In the, in, in the beginning, do you have to almost create the impression that the business is moving and people better get on board or else they're going to miss it? How important is it to, to create that FOMO for people in oh your orbit? 1,000%. You know, when I was doing our first fundraise, so we raised a million-dollar seed round. It took me so long because I think people could tell that, like, we really needed the money. <laughs> um, and then when we did our Series A, it I raised over $3 million in less than three months. And I, I turned away close to $2 million because I, I've had enough. <laughs> so it was it was amazing just to mm. see, like, how much people wanted to get in on it right. when they knew that, like, there wasn't equity left to give away. <laughs> and how, so you have – how does the ownership break down now? Yeah, I still own the majority of the company. So it's not like we gave away the entire company or anything. Um, but yeah, me and my employees and team still own the, the majority. Was it difficult to give up the stake that you did give up? You know, for me, it's about it's about creating a bigger pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and if my slice of a big if my slice gets smaller, but the overall pie gets bigger, um, that's still a net win. I see that. You, you would almost burn out otherwise if you didn't have the, the runway to do what you wanted to do. Totally. And, you know, for me, this is this has never been just about making money. I mean, certainly we want to be a profitable and sustainable business, but we also want to pioneer this amazingly healthy superfood here in the U.S. and also support the communities where we're sourcing from. So um, I want this to be as big as it possibly can be. Are you profitable right now? We are not 
yet, purposefully so. Mm -hmm. um, so we raised our, our Series A last year, and we really invested that into growth. So we hired up um, some amazing people, and we really invested in, in sales and marketing to really introduce Moringa in a bigger way. When you look at the map, where are the places in need of the most growth for the company? You know, it's a it's a surprising map because I would say that we uh, do really well in some places you wouldn't expect, like Florida is actually our highest dollars per state um, in terms of sales. Um, but we we I think you know have some work to do on the East Coast because we're a West Coast based company. We've just been in distribution and been working here longer. Um, but I hired a, a fantastic head of sales who's based on the East Coast and has been doing a really good job in growing that for us. You know, it seems like in Northern California, they'd be pretty quick to embrace the Moringa. But how about in the uh, in the Midwest, in the South? Surprisingly, we do pretty well. I mean, I think we definitely do better in urban areas. So like Chicago and Atlanta, we do super well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think in more rural areas where people haven't necessarily heard of Moringa, we, we don't do quite as well. Right. But we do right. well in retailers that you might not think of as, as, you know, carrying a lot of healthy food. Like we do well in CVS. Mm -hmm. We do well in Safeway. We do well in Costco. Um, so we're... We're in a lot of different places. And how are you structuring it so that the money gets kicked back to women in Africa, like you said? So we're paying an above market price for our Moringa and mm -hmm. um, partnering directly with the farmers. So we've, uh, you know, in most instances have really cut out the, the middleman who can often eat a huge portion of the profit to the farmers. Um, and then we really work with them to enable them to grow and scale. We help them access financing. We, um, you know, do a lot of technical support um, in order for them to be able to grow and scale with us. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Veridesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more, sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. Veridesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement in a day. The new ProDesk 60 electric standing desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, stable at any height, and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Veritas products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Veritas products, including the new ProDesk 60 Electric, risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at veridesk.com slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I desk.com slash Forbes. And then in terms of big picture, long-term goals for Kuli Kuli, are we going to see other products come out? Are we going to get Moringa pancakes? Are we going to get Moringa? Where are we going? So we now have... Um like three different product lines. So we started with bars. Yeah. We have these amazing green energy shots. Um, and we also have the pure Moringa powder and then this awesome green smoothie mix that you can Ooh. just add into water. It's like an instant green smoothie. Um, and I think, you know, from here, our plan is to really expand and, and double down on the lines that we have, introducing some new flavors. And then, you know, over the next three years or so, we think there's a lot of amazing superfoods that 
grow all over the world. And a lot of them are even grown by a lot of the, the farmers that we already work with right. that Americans maybe haven't heard of yet. But we think, you know, by incorporating them into our supply chain, we could help those communities even more and provide really cool new superfoods to the U.S. And, and how about how does the competition who, who, who are your biggest competitors right now? It's been really interesting. So, you know, we've done a, a ton of work to really pioneer Moringa and get the word out and, and all of that. And being first to market, I think, is always a double-edged sword because you you do start to see competition. And, you know, we've started to see a, a bunch of other folks enter the Moringa powder market. Right. Um, the thing that's challenging for us is, you know, we are sourcing the highest quality Moringa. We work directly with the farmers. We know how the Moringa is grown. We know how it's processed. We have our own proprietary processing method. And so a lot of the stuff that's on the market, we see it's much lower quality. Right. And there's even some issues in, in some of it out of, coming out of India in particular, where there's been some instances of people taking non-organic Moringa, but just getting the certificate to say it's organic when it's not right. actually organic. Right. Um, it reminds me a little of the, you know, the taxi world, like people, the ethical problems, people are so much cheaper to take like a ride sharing service than it is a cab. But then you think the drivers are treated so much more poorly in the, in the, uh, the cab, how much it's hurting that industry. Like how, how, um, cautious and sensitive are people or mindful are consumers with where the product is coming from and the price of the product? Won't they just go for the, the cheaper product? You know, I think consumers care more than you might think. I think they are very much interested in transparency and understanding how the food is grown and what the quality is and, and how, you know, is it helping people? Is it hurting people? Is it helping the environment? Is it hurting the environment? You know, I think that's not the only factor. Certainly price is important. I think, you know, product placement is important, like what's at their favorite grocery store. Um, but we find that there are a lot of consumers who, you know, buy our product first because they like it, but then they tell all their friends because they love what we're doing for the world. Mm -hmm. Well, when you when you look back at your at your work, Lisa, is there anything that you would you would have done differently in the launch of Cooley Cooley? You know, I think a million little small things, but at the end of the day, I've learned a lot of great lessons, and um, you know, appreciate all the lessons learned along the way. Okay, um, I want to switch gears a little bit because I know you're. You're very optimistic, and uh, you, you've talked about the importance of irrational optimism. What's irrational optimism? I think it, it kind of goes back to a conversation we were having earlier around believing that something is possible even when everyone tells you you're wrong. So for me, it meant believing that I could introduce this new superfood and start a company even when everyone around me thought that I was totally crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and so having that ability to, to just, you know, believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing and, and not take no for an answer. And what's the biggest obstacle that has gotten in your way or that is still in your way? I think the the biggest obstacle for us is is just the lack of awareness that there's still a lot of people who, you know, don't know what Moringa is. Right. And um, we're, we're still doing a ton of education just to really get the word out. 
you, um, I know that you like to meditate. You studied mindfulness meditation. I do, yeah. I meditate every morning. And what kind of a practice do you do? How long do you meditate for? Um, Ten minutes because I found that, you know, I, I sometimes try to do longer, but then I'm not as consistent in doing it. So ten minutes every morning. Um, and I really try to, you know, you're you're never going to fully clear your mind, but when a thought comes along, kind of see that thought, mm-hmm. recognize it, and let it pass. And I find it just makes me so much more uh, calm and, and, and collected and, and ready for the rest of the day. Do you eat the moringa before or after the meditation? So my general morning routine is I go running, I shower, I meditate, um, then I go to work and I make a superfood oatmeal um, with moringa and chia seeds and um, sometimes like goji berries and, and other products. Wow. So really practicing what you preach. Yep. I bike to work too. You bike to <laughs> so work. That. Bike to work after that big run around Lake Merritt. Yeah. I'm pretty active. I find that you know when you uh, keep your body active, it helps keep your mind going too. I know that you also unplug – What's uh, for people who don't know? What is un- what does unplugging for you look like? So unplugging for me is I really try to make an effort um, at least once a month, ideally more, to get outside, like go on a long hike, um, and then and not have my phone, you know, not obviously not on my computer, and just kind of like, hey, go for go for a nice sort of like me time or maybe do it with a friend or with my husband. Um, and then I also try to take trips. Um, so actually next week I'm going on vacation and I plan to unplug. And how big Lisa is the, is the team? How big is the team grown now? So our team right now is, uh, 10 people. 10 people. Okay. And they're all in, in Oakland with you? Um, we have one person uh, head of sales on the East Coast, but everybody else is here in Oakland. How has that experience been for you managing the culture and uh, and uh, acting as a as a leader for Cooley Cooley? You know, I think it's uh, it's been great overall. I'm so fortunate to be working with such incredible people. I feel so blessed for that. Um, it's it's been it's been a learning curve for sure. I think you know, nobody really teaches you how to be a good manager. And so you kind of have to figure it out. And um, you have to be more organized than when it's just you or maybe you and, you know, one other person where it's like, okay, you got this and I got that. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, okay, how do we make sure that everybody understands what's going on and we can all work together? Well, I love one of the lines that you said. uh, I don't know if you were an athlete uh, or are an athlete or played a lot of sports growing up, but you said, picture yourself scoring the goal. Exactly. Um, so I, yeah, I do a lot of like, you know, envisioning the goal of like, what do I want to achieve? Um, and then figuring out the roadmap to get there. And we do that at our, our team huddle once a month, we talk through, okay, you know, where do, what do we look like in 10 years? Let's just sit back and, and think about that for a minute. Now, what are, what are we doing, you know, this year? Right. What are we doing this quarter? What are we doing this month? And you've said uh, you were just saying that there's been many micro lessons along the way, but what which one stands out the most? I think that'd be helpful for listeners who are entrepreneurs getting ideas off the ground. I think one that that really stood out to me was the idea of welcoming failure 
and just understanding and accepting that you're going to fail um, and keep trying anyways. Embracing failure. What was the biggest failure, uh, you know, setback that was dealt your way? Um, you know, I think there was there was a really big one when we first started, mm-hmm. um, where we found that uh, moringa wasn't grass generally recognized as safe. It didn't have the FDA certification, um, and we thought that that might be it. Uh, and ended up trying to, you know, contacting a bunch of people and, and found a scientist who would, who would help us get it grass certified. So that, you know, could have been a big failure. It was, it was a big challenge. Um, I think one thing that we did find, too, is we tried to do a second Indiegogo campaign. And it ended up working out in the end. But it was so much harder. And we had to pour so much more into it than our first one when, you know, all of our friends and family were so excited and getting up off the ground. What is the lesson there that if you do the fa- friends and family route, it's a one-time thing, that, that momentum? Yeah, I think people really want to be a part of, of something new. They want to feel like they've helped to create this new idea, um, but that when it's already going, they're less clear on what you know how their exact contribution is, is going to you know, make a difference. That's really interesting because I, I, I can imagine, you know, if you're the first to, as you say, claim that space, the first one in, you have a lot of momentum going in. But then other competition starts and then you're like the veteran. And all of a sudden, how do you – how important is it to be iterating all the time or do, or how important is it to just stay on message and on brand with your original vision? How important? Are, which one do you do? Yeah. I mean I think we're we're constantly – iterating our products we're iterating our messaging um what we're not iterating on is like the ultimate vision and the purpose behind the company mm-hmm. um you know that's that's why i'm here and that's why everyone i've hired is here Lisa Curtis, thank you so much. Cooley Cooley is the name. Moringa is what it is, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to trying it because I need something at that time of day. I really do. I gotta I gotta stay away from the sugar and the raisins, and you know it's really just a death trap. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get some moringa my way. Get some moringa. Try our moringa bars, moringa shots, moringa powder, smoothie mixes, and anyone else who wants to try. We are on Amazon and also on our website. KuliKuliFoods.com, K-U-L-I, K-U-L-I. All right. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under30, that's the number 30, at podcastone.com. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group, and I have a new podcast here on Podcast One called Office Hours. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. Join me twice a month on Office Hours, exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. At the Border. 
I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.